if you are an aspiring entrepreneur or a new entrepreneur and looking for some tips this episode is for you this is the guiding voice podcast series the guiding voice for a better future folks i am your host navin samala just a fellow it professional on a mission to shape the careers and lives of millions across the globe and through the guiding voice we drive conversations that matter conversations that add value to your life and your career and successful leaders across the globe share their knowledge and wisdom with the world so that our audience will acquire more knowledge by tuning into our podcast per every minute than any other podcast in this space thank you so much for joining me today and i'm extremely pleased to announce chris sanders and frank bailey founders of nerdpreneur podcast and super excited to have them part of today's show chris and frank hearty welcome to the guiding voice and i'm really excited to have this conversation thank you for being part of our journey Yeah, thank you Naveen. We're thank very you. excited to be here and uh yeah, talking to someone who's the farthest away person we've talked to in <laughs> our journey in podcasting. So, excited to be here. All right, yeah, same here. Without further ado, probably I'm going to uh, switch the questions, okay, between both of you and uh, Chris I'll go with you first. Can you briefly sure. share your career journey? Wow, my you know, my career journey, I started in a factory weirdly. Uh I used to route what's called routering, you push a piece of plastic along a spinning blade. I did that over and over and over again and then I said I'm not going to ever work in a factory again. Nothing wrong with that work. I just didn't want to do that and I missed this uh I had this entrepreneurial thing I wanted to do. I started selling knives weirdly. Like I got recruited into a job where you sell knives. basically not really door to door but like you go to people's houses you cut up some stuff rope and leather and things and people loved it and uh i did that for a long time i'm talking like 13 14 years of my life i did that uh just learning sales eventually recruiting and eventually becoming a manager and then i wound up uh moving into digital marketing after that uh because those skills super transferable and uh now i work for for a guy named Jeff Walker and uh we started creating this podcast nerdpreneur because i noticed all of these people who were nerds basically turning this uh turning their passions into businesses and uh since then we've been really uh we've been really launching this podcast so that's a kind of very brief version of my of my history in the company or in 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 working all right and uh, chris can you also share the top 3 things that have helped you to be successful in your professional life i thought about this First thing was I think pushing past discomfort. Uh you know, it's one of the things that really I found works for me many 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 times where most people are willing to give up, I'm willing to push past that point a little bit further. And I think that's where you get all your skills, that's where you get past where people would normally expect and then people are surprised when you all of a sudden get results. And so I think pushing past discomfort is one of the first things. I think the other one too, I'll say is see people uh how they could be and not just how they are uh, and that means including yourself by the way uh so i think it's really important to see people how they could be cuz a lot of times you know you see people how they are and people love it when you can see them for bigger better than what they're doing right now and i think believe in themselves and, and it helps them a lot too and the next thing is just trust yourself I, i had to trust myself a lot of times anytime i stepped out into any sort of path that was uh say sales or management or a new level of development i've always had to ask myself you know do i trust that i'm going to actually get the results to do it and it's really important i think that you be willing to bank on yourself and say man trust yourself and go for it see people how they could be 
that's quite a profound statement and i really loved it now frank over to you can you briefly talk about your career journey please yeah i'd be happy to but first i have to respond to something chris said because chris <laughs> i love these points and this is very much how chris and i do our interviews it's like there's very often someone tries to say something and go in one direction and i say no 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 wait 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 i want to go back i want to go back so i'm going to do that right now as per my usual but chris i thought i haven't really heard you say it like this before and i really liked it and i think they're so interwoven in such an interesting way that i wanted to highlight that really quickly cuz if you can see people how they could be you can also do that for yourself like you were saying you know see how you could be so then that means you have to then push yourself to go into this place of discomfort in order to become that person and then when you're out there it can be scary but you still trust yourself while you're there to get through it and I'll, mm-hmm. it's just i don't know did you plan that man yeah man of course i plan everything no i <laughs> i've been planning it my whole life <laughs> no it's like i I I had to really think through it. Like I love that question of like okay, what are three things that really helped you? And I had to discern it because I could say any number of things, but really when I look back, you know, three things, core things that really I've learned and continued to use over and over and over are those two things and they really help anywhere you go. So, uh thank you, I guess, I'll, for for, for yeah, appreciating man. the answer. Heck yeah. <laughs> cool. uh, but so, yeah, Naveen, to answer to answer your question about uh about me, my career journey a bit. So Chris and I have a lot of similarities and overlaps, uh, but the start of our stories is is different. So I started off not really knowing what I wanted to do, uh, and then in as far as professional, but I knew that acting was going to be in it. So I was very committed ever since I was ten years old. I knew I was going to be an actor, so I pursued acting. Uh, amidst other academic endeavors and eventually after college I uh, pursued that professionally in film I had some success uh but ultimately it it wasn't the future that I wanted for myself because that's a very much a uh, very challenging hand to mouth kind of career and as mm-hmm. you get older it's not the kind of thing that's great for starting a family and and i just knew that i didn't have a family to take care of but i just knew that down the road that that would be a, a struggle um so i didn't really want to deal with that and plenty of people out there are totally fine with it and they're they're you know prepared for it but i i just knew i didn't want to do that anymore something had changed so i that switched starving artist syndrome right yes exactly the starving <laughs> artist I, I, is i forgot not to mention I, I took theater as well and that's why i was like oh man I totally get that neither of us wanted neither of us wanted to be the starving artist. It's not I I love art. I love performing. I love acting, but like I also like having a fridge full of food and having some actual nice things around, maybe driving a nice car. So, I think it's important to have a little bit of cash coming in. That's my advice to people. Don't do theater. No. <laughs> do theater, but don't expect to get paid a lot. That's all. Exactly. Don't expect it to be a uh uh easy path and don't expect it to be one that makes sense to everybody else that was a big mm-hmm. one then uh from the acting world i switched into business i went back to school i pursued a business degree and i wanted to work in video games and i'm very passionate about video games and i wanted to get on the business side of it and that was very very hard that industry for any listener that is familiar with the video game world or that kind of tech world like studios in general 
it is very, if you're not a developer, if you're not on the creative side, the technical creative side, it's going to be very hard for you get, to get a job. You could try project manager, which is what I eventually tried. But ultimately, I was like sales and marketing guy. And it was for a small indie studio. And, and that was very exciting because it was VR. It was at the time that VR was cutting edge back in like 2016, uh, 2015. So that was really cool. But there wasn't enough opportunity there for me. So then from there, I switched just naturally how jobs went, finding a job. And now I work in the construction world and hardware world. And I sell at a sales agency, but specifically my role has transformed into creating video content. So I'm getting well-versed with the technical and the creative side of making videos for manufacturers to help them sell their product. And then, yeah. Yeah, Chris and I now do this podcast together and it's it's a great side project. <laughs> so how many folks have you interviewed so far on your podcast? 13. Guess, yeah, we've oh. had a solid 13 interviews that we've done as far as proper nerdpreneurs, right? Like mm-hmm, we probably mm-hmm. should define what a nerdpreneur is in order for oh, good people one, to know Chris. what what it is that we're interviewing, right? Cuz yeah, go for it. You, you might hear that word and be like, what? That's not even a word. Well, nerd is the first part of that word. We'll break it down the etymology. Nerd, right? And those are people that, um, again, we ask people to define a nerd on our podcast. There's lots of definitions of it. But the definition I think we have uh, taken for nerd is someone who's following their passion and uh, trying to uh, and just love something for the sheer love of it right so people are nerds about say star trek or they're nerds about uh dungeons and dragons or they're nerds about you know tarantulas actually and this is sort of examples of things that you could be nerdy about the other side is preneur this is a person who is launching a business creating uh revenue or some sort of uh business out of their passion and so nerdpreneurs are people taking their nerdy passion turning it into a business and i just saw so many people around the world uh, that were on Instagram and, and and Twitter and Facebook and YouTube, all this and they were putting out content and they were making things happen during the pandemic and they were finding a way to thrive and they were making, in some cases, more money than they were during um, before the pandemic, right? When mm-hmm. they had re- real jobs with quotations, right? And so this, like people wind up making crazy results happen and they're doing it with something they love. And I'm like, we want to highlight and showcase these stories. Um, so weirdly, I just sort of reached out to a few people and not expecting that everybody would say yes. But some of the guests that we got on were like, holy, yeah, we'll do it. Sure. We'd love to. Because I don't think a lot of people are necessarily highlighting these level of stories. Mm-hmm. And there's so much you can learn from what people have done in their journey to get from being someone who is a working in a regular job or maybe wasn't working at all and then taking those steps to become a uh, nerdpreneur who's not only having a thriving business but is doing it in alignment with their values and with their act with their 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 thing that they're passionate about in fact uh, i i would say i've interviewed uh, over 50 young entrepreneurs and out of them few of them are uh, they fall into this category of uh, nerdpreneur and uh, i'm really impressed it is so uh, attention grabbing world right <laughs> all right so let's take a step back and frank uh, going back um, i would like to learn from you as well what are the top 3 things that have helped you to be successful in your professional life yeah for me a big one that i have recognized uh, is just a willingness to learn 
and a not like knowing that whatever you do, there's going to be learning in the in the journey. You're going to have to be ready to sit down, study independently, and acquire skills. And my current job has been a huge testament to that with the amount of video production I've had to learn, the technical side of software and hardware. And that has been just a great, great uh, asset to myself that I'm comfortable with learning and, and that I like it. So this next one would be my community and people that I can lean on. I think this is something that people often talk about, but also don't in a weird way. So I just wanted to bring it to the top that people that I lean on whenever I need to have been huge sources of inspiration, guidance. Uh, my boss at my current job, I, I work at a small company of seven people and my boss is super knowledgeable. He's got a great eye for detail. And so people like him and and even my parents, you know, they're just great sources of, of uh, people that I can lean on. And then my communication skills. Um, that has been a uh, huge help in just anything I've taken on. And I think that that ties into very much something that Chris and I often talk about is like our sales mentalities are uh, when, you know, in sales, so much of it comes down to your soft skills, your, your people skills, um, and being able to read people and communicate with people. And for me, the communication has been huge. It, there's been other barriers for me individually in that arena, but communication, whether it's written or visual or presentation, I am, I'm pretty strong in those areas. And it's, it's been an asset in any industry that I go into. So if anyone ever wants to work on a skill, communication is an excellent one, but it's also a tough one because it's not, it's not the same for everybody. It's not like math. It's not like learning formulas. It, it, it's different per person completely resonate with you and uh, yeah communication is something which we have to refine on day-to-day basis and every person is different we have to deal with emotions as well and uh, one other point which i would like to uh, highlight is about the community part and the support system that we are surrounded many a times we take it for granted very rarely we tend to acknowledge okay the kind of Mm -hmm. ecosystem which is actually one of the reasons for our success and all so Thank you for bringing that up. And uh, it's such a key thing. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, it's such a key thing. Who who you, there are people who say you are the sum of the five people you hang out the most time with. And I think that's somewhat true. I think there is, there is questions around that, but I will say that having the right community where even just being aware, like who are the people I'm choosing to spend my time with? And am I making it so that I'm spending time with people that are, one supporting, but also are challenging me, right? Like yeah. I've, I, I have had, I've had to actually have those conversations. Sometimes they're tough conversations with yourself, right? Around who are you really spending time with right now in those times in your life when you're like, oh man, look at this person over here, this person over here. I had a time in my life where I had to say, okay, do I want to keep spending time with these people and where are they, where are they going? Are they in aid of this? And I actually, took a hard look at that and said, you know what, I'm going to start a master. I'm going to do something else. I'm going to pick the best people I know, and I'm going to start a mastermind. So I started as a mastermind just so I could have some people in around me that were willing to challenge, willing to push, that were focused on growth. Because if you don't have those people around you that hold you a little bit accountable, keep supporting you, sometimes you can wind up missing that mirror that you need to see where yeah. you're really at and when you need to move forward or when you need to do the next thing, you know? And, uh, 
yeah, I, I just really liked Frank's point about community because I think that resonated with me. And I've heard you talk about it, but this was one that I'm like, oh, yeah, we <laughs> don't take that for granted. That's so key. Yeah, yeah accountability is huge. All right. Yeah. So, Frank, again, coming back to you, maybe let's talk about core of today's topic. What is uh, one wisdom bit for young entrepreneurs out there from your side? Yeah. So the one bit of wisdom that really stands out to me from the people that we've interviewed is a genuine desire to help people in your audience or help your customers, a genuine desire to provide value, want to make their lives better. Uh, we saw this with one person that we interviewed that, that that really shined a light on this. And then I saw this thread through almost everybody. No, I would say actually everybody that we interviewed, we had one guest and she would, she, uh, her name is Melody and she has a following that she started based on a character that she really loved in a video game series. And this character was a healer and she would heal through music. And so she started creating a persona around this and partly because she loved this character, but also partly because she also loved music. And she, so she started playing harp music and, and she was hearing that people that listened to her music really felt like, you know, they felt better afterwards. And she got a great level of joy and satisfaction out of that. And we've heard similar things from other people that when they get this satisfaction about helping others, they get their, their passion is reignited. It's fuel to keep going. And I think that when people find something that actually gives other people value and that other people appreciate, and then when they hear that appreciation, they then are fueled. I think that that's really important to find something like that, but it's also really tricky because there is a trap, I think, at least over in, in North America, we're told, we, our generation was told something when we were kids, which is, if you end up doing what you love, you will never work a day in your life. And I don't know if that's told over in India as well. Is that, Naveen? It is. It is, in fact. <laughs> okay. That, that's why and people it, say, follow your passion. And these days, uh, there is a new quote, actually, don't follow your passion, just go by the flow. <laughs> that's interesting that we have not heard that one yet. And, and I will be surprised. I will probably won't be surprised if that becomes a thing, but right now, you know, Chris and I do talk about this, of course, but the idea that if you follow your passion, you're going to have a hard time making money. You're going to have a hard time finding yourself living comfortably, which can make it harder for you to make a positive impact in the world if you want to. But Having something, you know, trying things out and finding what it is that you like to do and that gives people value, improves their lives, but also enjoy doing it. So I think that it's important for small businesses because if you are doing that, customers will want to engage with you. They will because they can tell that you are providing them value and that you care about that value being provided to them. So they will want to engage with your brand and your business. And that's especially important for small businesses because we we need people to care about us on an emotional level rather than just a convenience level which big companies manage to get the use case or i would say the scenario that you mentioned about allergy yeah it reminded about a um, couple of responses that we have received uh, 
for a few episodes when our audience reached out saying that hey you know this episode was so useful and i was able to get a salary raise or i was able to move to my next position and all right and uh, that, that is kind of uh, uh, very satisfying and and also you brought in an important point in case if you follow your passion probably you'll not make money as much as what you would do by uh, engaging in something else right so passion again it is a debatable topic <laughs> but yeah. but that yeah yeah in the beginning in the beginning it's really hard to make money i should clarify it's harder to make money if you follow your passion not right. impossible yeah. there's plenty of people who make a lot of money doing yeah. it but it's harder i think it's okay this is an interesting thing because you know when i was thinking about this exact question one of the core things we always hear from people is you know they followed their passion in order to start this nerdpreneur business right and we have heard that a lot as advice right throughout our lives is you know i, I mean how many of us Naveen, like were you told follow your passion when you were young right <laughs> or maybe not i don't know but i think people hear it a lot and i don't know that that advice is good enough i, I guess that's my biggest gripe with that is that there are lots of people that we've interviewed too who said they followed their passion and then wound up also with regrets around like holy crap this is so much harder and so much more stressful and my passion is now my my this thing i'm obligated to right i have i think you have to really be careful sometimes and make sure that you are you're building a house that you want to live in yeah you know, you got to take your time to be building a house you want to live in, which is why sometimes following your passion is great. And I guess the thing I've thought about with with the people we've we've interviewed is that they have a pattern of how this goes. So you get this follow your passion instinct that gives you a guidance, like a barometer for where are you going to go and put your effort in? Because when you're passionate about something, effort becomes easier. Yeah. Right? And the thing about that is why follow your passion? Because passion is going to lead you to being skilled. See, if you do this a lot, if you do something because you're passionate about it, you're going to get good at it. Like you're passionate about podcasting, you're going to do a lot of podcasts. Then you're going to get pretty good at it. And then all <laughs> of a sudden you have skill. And the thing is that that skill that you have now, now that leads to opportunity. Yeah. And opportunity is where, you know, people have to make that mental shift to go from, you know, being amateur to pro. Yeah. I'm going to start char charging for this, right? You may, like, we have this guy who is a LARPer, and I'm not going to get into what a LARPer is. That's too much for this podcast. But let's just say he was very skilled at manufacturing these masks, okay, for people who LARP. And people around him started saying, wow, I love your mask. Where can I get one? He's like, well, I make them. And then they say, hey, well, could you make one for me if I paid you? And now that's opportunity. He has to make that mental shift to being like, I could make this a business. And then you have to get that first sale, right? And that first sale is proof of concept. And I think once you get a first sale, then you have to think about process. How are you actually going to do this consistently? So creating a consistent process and then from a consistent process, then it leads to scale. So your passion is enough to get you started. It's yep. not enough to get you down the way to being a nerdpreneur. There's a lot of other things in the way or that you have to make links to. But following your passion is a nice barometer for where you might want to start. <laughs> yeah, excellent point. Excellent point, uh, Chris. Chris, uh, on that note, uh, I also want to move to my next question. And this is to you. And what is one common mistake? Uh, okay, one of the most common mistakes that entrepreneurs are making these days? One, I think a lot of people who are serious about being an entrepreneur, they take too long to actually start asking for money or asking for people to buy their stuff. 
So there's a there's there's sometimes a mental block where people are willing to do things for free for a long time because they love it. And I think that is actually great because it does get you that skill thing I was talking about, right? But I think we overestimate how skilled we need to be to start providing value that we can charge for. So a lot of people like you don't have to be the best uh harpist in the world to be able to go out there and perform some video game music and start creating followers. Melody, who we were just talking about, she was not someone who took harp her entire life. She picked up the harp kind of late in life and then started playing and then kind of figured it out, be, was able to create some content that people like. You just kind of have to be better than or have provide value. You have to be provide value to the people who are following you. So if you your market may not be classically trained harpists, right? Because a classically trained harpist may not say, oh, well, she's not picking properly or she's not doing this specific classical compositions. For example, she's making video game music. But you know what? A lot of people love video games. And a lot of people will listen to the harp from Zelda, okay? And so all of a sudden she has tens of thousands of followers because she's providing value to those people in that market. So don't be afraid to kind of just start putting that stuff out there. I always say that like, you know, if you have content and you're like, oh, should I, should I put it out there, Shaina? The algorithms protect you. If your content sucks, no one's gonna hear it. No one's gonna see it. That's the way it works, right? If you have crummy content, it's okay. Just put it out there. No one's going to see it. You just start and then you'll get better at it by doing it. Wow. Simply superb. Simply superb. <laughs> Chris, I, I thoroughly loved uh, uh, this particular statement. We overestimate in terms of when we have to get paid and all, right? So mm -hmm. to your point, I think we have to get started. Just move on. Right? Don't expect don't have super expectations or don't raise the bar too much for ourselves. That's my takeaway. I agree. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So Frank, over to you. My next question. Well, how is the startup ecosystem right now across the globe in your, in your view? It's an interesting situation. We're going into, you know, depending on when this episode releases, um, we're going in. Well, let me start where we've come from. So Chris kind of mentioned earlier COVID lockdown, we saw a lot of entrepreneurs starting up, turning their passions into businesses. I would say that where we came from with COVID and the lockdown phase, that was an amazing time for startups and you know, entrepreneurs. Now, now let's make a distinction. There are the difference between solo entrepreneurs and proprietors and then actual startups with teams. I would say startups with teams probably had a harder time in lockdown unless they were able to work remotely. But I would say that entrepreneurs, as far as a solo gig, they were able to really, really make some big moves because TikTok got really big over here and that was huge for entrepreneurs. So in general, lockdown was great for people who were starting up. It was great because people were on social media and if you had time to make content, people would see it. A lot of people would see it. And we saw this in a bunch of things and that's nothing new. So I won't go on about that. But then as far as where we're going, I think at least in North America, we're seeing a increase in the inflation rate. We're seeing a lot of news that is driving fear around money. So I think that people are going to become more conservative with how they spend their money. So I'd say we're getting into a more challenging time for startups. It's going to be hard for them to stand out. Anything that has any promise 
a big company could come along and gobble up, which might be good for the entrepreneur. Maybe they want to exit. Maybe, maybe their whole goal is to be bought out. Maybe that's what they want. But more so, I think it's a really important time for entrepreneurs and startups to provide that value that I was talking about earlier. You know, if you provide that value, if you are really honing in on what it is that your customer is going to benefit from what you create and how it's going to make their life better, they're going to stick around. They're going to have that emotional response, that emotional attachment, and they're going to be loyal to you. And that is really what is important when you're in a rough economy is having loyalty with your customer base. It's either if you can provide loyalty or like if you can earn loyalty and provide value that way, or once again, if you provide that convenience, which big companies are doing, if you can provide that convenience and low cost, you're going to keep a lot of people, but they won't be loyal to you. They'll turn on you as soon as you get a bad headline in the newspaper. But if they're loyal to you, they'll stick around. They'll they'll pay the prices because they love what you're doing and they believe what you're doing. So I think that ultimately in this ecosystem, focus on providing that value. Double down on providing that value and retaining the customers that you already have. Because retaining customers is much less energy, takes much less energy than getting new customers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's so much in there, Frank, that was like, I I keep hearing what you're talking about. And I keep thinking about customer experience, right? Like one of the things Mm -hmm. I see that so many of our nerdpreneurs are doing is they're providing a unique kind of experience, that value you're talking about. They have created a community or something where they have provided a type of user experience for them that people love and they want to keep coming back to or they want to keep buying. And so it's not enough just to say, put out a little bit of content. It, it's it's also about the personal connection. It's also about the, the, the ability to be uh, engaged with you as a brand, not just what you do. And I think, forget that 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 personal connection is easier than ever to create. Yeah. Then because of social media. And we heard that over and over and over from people who were starting up their own companies. That was that like the, the way they started, the way they grew was, was a grind. It was a lot of, Hey, I'm commenting on posts. I am reaching out to people directly. I am, you know, trying to connect with all these people in a powerful way so that they get a experience with me that is unique and it maybe wasn't as conscious as like, oh, I'm giving this experience. But a lot of these people who comment on someone's post and then people say, oh, wow, I'm so happy that person commented. Oh, that person responded. Like they get this rush of like excitement from being interacting with that person that gives value. And now it's more than um, it's less about it's more about creating that experience for them so that they have that personal connection. And I think that really is the new kind of model or one of the new models for, for startups right now. Yeah. In fact, the value addition is something uh, taught in the lean principles as well. It starts with uh, define the value and uh, me being a uh, lean in- enthusiast as well as an evangelist, <laughs> completely echo with what you guys have mentioned. And uh, on that note, I would like to add one more point, guys. So yeah. if, if you have one loyal customer, he might bring you 10 more new customers. But if you have pissed off one customer, he or she will take away 100 customers away. <laughs> so true. So true. Yeah. Especially right now with reviews. I yeah. mean, 
I, I actually very much enjoy giving reviews on books and restaurants yeah. and, and I will do it on Google maps and I love it. I love taking pictures, putting them up there. Cause there's this Google does a great job of telling me, Hey, you've got this, this many views and you've got this many interactions. And I'm like, cool. I don't care that much, but I also kind of really do like to hear how many views my pictures have gotten. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> And so then I want to do more and more. And uh, sometimes I, I generally leave really nice reviews, but sometimes I will really trash a place if it was really, really, really bad. <laughs> well, and it's so easy. I love that point about one bad or one bad experience for a client yeah. can yeah. cause a hundred a ripple of hundred. Cause we've heard, we saw that in an example of one of our episodes. You can check it out, is uh a Mecca who uh is the uh black Ness guy. So he created all these uh, video game books, okay, that were guidebooks for NES games, right? Like Nintendo and NES games, classic. And he timed it really, really well. And the first book he put out, he, he really didn't spend hardly anything. He spent like 80 bucks and he helped, you know, through the process of like paying someone else to create the book while he's helping with writing the content and he's reviewing things and figuring it out. And he said that when he put it out, all these reviews came in saying, oh, it was great. I love it. I love it. And that just boosted his sales and it did really well. His second book he decided to do down the road, which was like, oh man, that first book worked so well. Let me do the second push, right? Let's figure this out. And he put it out after, you know, and he spent more on the book actually, but he wasn't as, uh, I guess, worried about the result because he had already had a good positive result. So we almost took for granted that like, oh, this thing will just sell, <laughs> right? This will just do great. And then he even admits like, man, the content was lazy. It wasn't as good. And if you listen to our episode, he goes right into it. So I'm not like slamming him. He tells yeah. the story exactly. And I'm saying that one bad review. I mean, he said he was getting review after review after review after review. <laughs> and it just tanks your tanked his book. So the power of of, of a review or giving people something positive to say or not. I think one of the most interesting points that came out of that episode was that the idea of even writing a review, the only reason someone is going to do it or slam your review, right? Or slam a, a bad review, a good or bad one is you've given them an emotional response to your product. And so you want that emotional response to be positive, obviously. But if you give them a negative emotional response, man, they will go to town on you. And he said he just had so many bad reviews, um, way more because you didn't give them that positive experience. And it was a learning experience for him that helped him succeed in a lot of other ways. Excellent. I'm, I'm enjoying this conversation to the core. And uh, let's add some spice to the episode, Chris and Frank. <laughs> All right. So let's do it. Yeah. All right. So let, let, let's kick off the quick rapid fire round and I'll be alternating questions. Okay. Between you, uh, similar to how I've been done in the main round and, uh, Chris, to begin with, what was your childhood fantasy? I wanted to be a movie director back when I was a kid, like a Quentin Tarantino guy. Uh, are you still wanting to be one? Um, I, I still love directing, but I thought, I think film directing just got a little bit too, uh, I just don't like the film industry anymore. I now live in Vancouver where they film a bunch of stuff and I just, I don't really enjoy the industry. So, <laughs> but I love creating content. Uh, so yeah, I like this kind of medium, but yeah. not so much. Fair enough. Stuff. Fair enough. Frank, over to you. What is one best piece of advice that you have received so far? It would probably be a quick one from a number of our guests. And that would be, be kind to yourself. I think, uh, 
I and many other people that pursue projects on their own can be really hard on themselves about whether they're good enough, whether they're successful enough, whether they make enough money. And I think it's important to remember to just be kind to yourself because you are your hardest critic. After all, we are humans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We don't want to be superhuman. All right. Yeah. That, that's so <laughs> profound. <laughs> Moving to the next one, Chris. Can you describe yourself in just one word? Epic. Awesome. <laughs> wow. You, <laughs> you didn't hear me laugh, but uh, it's so much like Chris to choose that word. It just, I don't, I, I'm going to say this. I don't know if you were about to, Chris, but he also, Chris has a, uh, it, one of his big projects has been uh, this persona and, and not persona, it's an account. He has an account on Instagram. It's called Professor Epic. So I wanted to provide some context that there is mm-hmm. that that's why I find this funny is because <laughs> yes. Uh, if if anyone ever asked me to describe myself in one word, I have to say epic. If I'm professional, you epic. you do you do it makes total sense. But I and I should have seen that coming, but I didn't, and it just kind of felt like a slap in the face. Like Even after all these podcasts, I could still surprise you with an answer, Frank. You still do. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Frank. Moving to the next one. What is something new happening in your life right now? Yeah, a big one is that I'm getting married. I'm actually, uh, I got engaged this last summer and I am going to be getting married in a couple couple years, probably. Uh, The (laughs) ceremony will actually happen probably this summer, but as far as like a larger celebration, it'll be in two years. And and that's uh, that's of course a really big thing because there's just a whole lot of planning that goes on there. That would be... That's the big thing that comes to mind right now. <laughs> Aren't you scared about your marriage? <laughs> oh, of course. I'm. I'm. I, there's always something to be scared of, man. Like, it's. I mean, for me, I've always got one thing that is that is making me anxious. You know, or actually, I should say, I always have at least ten things that are making I was me say anxious. One, Frank. Uh, yeah, that would be nice. That would be a great life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Only one thing. <laughs> All right. (laughs) Excellent. Uh, Let's move forward. Chris, uh, on a scale of one to 10, how good are you at keeping secrets? I am probably a, you know what? I probably am like, I want to say a one because I share everything with people when it comes to like, how do you do this? Or how do I get to this result? Or how do I get this? But that also makes me feel like maybe they think I'm untrustworthy. So don't tell me any of those juicy secrets. But I, I, if some, I'm trustworthy. If someone gave me a juicy secret, I could probably keep it locked in the vault. Well, hold on. Gonna... What about this, Chris? If if some if if a buddy tells you, "Hey, man, like I did this thing. I feel really bad. Don't tell so and so." Are you going to tell so and so? No. No. Okay. No. no. Are you... <laughs> Most likely, unless it's going to unless it's some form of like harmful thing. Again, like so-and-so what could it be i don't know but yeah. generally if someone says hey keep this to yourself i'm going to keep it to myself um and le- but if somebody's like how the heck did you get to this result in your life i'm like oh let me tell you let me just write it all out for you because <laughs> i won't i won't if i think it's going to help someone i will share everything there's there's no secrets in going after success quite interesting all right so moving to the <laughs> next one frank the place you most want to travel. Yeah, I actually want to head over to Asia, uh, Singapore, you know, Southeast Asia. And then from there, visit Australia as well. I have not been to that part of the world yet. So I really want to go there. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, Singapore. I have a friend over there, and it's just so exciting. The, I mean, with the pictures I see, I'm just like, oh man, that looks like a fun time. Whole lot of culture over there. Yeah. So yeah. Wonderful. So wish you all the best on your journey. And uh, this one is going to be last one for the rapid fire. And I would like uh, both of you to answer this one by one. And I'm okay with uh, whichever order you want to proceed. But here comes my question. Uh, What is one fantasy gadget that you'd like to see or invent yourself? It is okay. I want something that is essentially like a, a sticker or something like that, that I can tear off and put on things in my home that I can hit a button on like my fridge or on this thing that gives me these little stickers and it'll make a sound Ah. so I can find things (laughs) because I have so many things like, okay, my, my TV remote, I just don't know where it is sometimes in, in my house. And so if I had a little sticker on the back, it has to be small. It can't be anything that like, Oh, you have those Apple tags, but they're these big honking things and you can't attach them and you have to duct tape them. I want a little time. The technology is not there. We need little tiny speaker, little tiny sticker, just put it on the back of things that I want to find, whether it be my keys, my cell phone, my whatever. And then the rest of it, the thing that actually gives a sound is attached to my, to my fridge. You press the button and it beeps, saves me so much time when I'm looking for something. I would love that. (laughs) I've been thinking about this for a long time. (laughs) Excellent startup idea. Indeed. (laughs) Yeah. I don't want to do it. I'm not a tech guy, but if somebody could do it, I will invest. All right. So (laughs) how about you, Frank? Yeah. So I'm going to go with my original one because I I still really like it, Uh, (laughs) which is creating. So it's also very, Chris will appreciate. It's very much something that you would see in Dune, which Chris is a big fan of uh, that movie and, and the book. But uh, it's moisture collection nets. Mm. So specifically, I grew up in Northern California, and they've been having a pretty serious drought for the last five, six years. And uh, there are certain parts along the coast in California that get a lot of fog, a lot of fog. So there's a lot of trees that that take in the moisture that way. Um, but what I would like to see is some sort of I forget what it's called, but there's various kinds of fabric that are that are synthetic and they have moisture that clings to them really well. So what I would want is very slow moving nets uh, in the air. And net is kind of probably not the best term, but it's like a sheet and it'll collect the moisture in the air and then it'll trickle down because the, the net would be vertical. It'll trickle down to the bottom and collect this water. And I think that that would go a long way to helping natural uh, bodies of water, natural creeks and rivers uh, that are that are really dried up right now. And actually, this technology has been started by a, a team and they're down in Chile, I think, but it's uh, still very young. It's still very young technology. And I'm really hoping that it gains popularity and makes its way all the way up the West Coast of North and South America and and beyond eventually. But got to have the right climate. But anyway, that's what I want to see. I want to see that take off. Wow. Excellent. And uh, yeah, it, it is going to add a lot of value to the nature, right? And uh, yeah, indeed. Yeah. Wonderful. So I thoroughly enjoyed the rapid fire and uh, let's flip back to the mainstream. And before I let you guys go, one final question. Again, you can alternate <laughs> what will be your one piece of advice to those aspiring to make big in their careers or lives. You can choose either of them. Here is my, here's my advice for any aspiring 
person who wants to really succeed in their career or anywhere else, it's to do this. It's to be a thermostat, not a thermometer. You might've heard this before. You may not have heard this, but a thermometer reads the temperature of the room and that's all it does. But a thermostat changes the temperature of the room. So when you walk into a room, you want to be the thermostat. You have impact, power, leverage. You have that ability to affect change and bring energy into any room you walk into. So my recommendation is to consider yourself a thermostat. So when you walk in, even if it's not the energy or the thing you want, you have the power to make that happen and be an, uh, a person who affects their environment. Wow. I, I came across this for the first time. It's mind blowing. I'm going to steal this quote, be a thermostat, but not a thermometer. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad we could spread that one. That one's awesome. It's not, a, it's not an original for me. That's one that I've heard a number of times, but man, yeah, it's, it's one that I got taught at an important time. And yeah. I've also seen when people, like they, they say that when the student is ready, the teacher appears. I have had people hear this at the exact right time when they needed to hear it and it changed their business and lives forever. So Absolutely. I think it's a great one to, to share with people. See, this is the beauty of podcasting, right? We, we get to learn a lot and exchange a lot of information and yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. I enjoyed it. Over to you, Frank. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a string of things, but, uh, ultimately pursue something and learn it and decide whether you like it or not. And before, before planning to make a big career on, for example, creating a new soft drink, like what if you actually do that? You enjoy part of it, but then you realize, oh my gosh, there's this industry. I really don't want to be in this industry. Everything about this just drives me crazy. It's okay to realize that and then say, you know what? Actually, I don't want to do this anymore. And being okay. And because what you have done in that direction that you've pursued is you've gained a lot of skills and perspective and understanding, and that's going to help you with the next thing. So being okay and being kind to yourself, there it is again, be kind to yourself when acknowledging that I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want this to be my five-year future or even my one-year future. I want to change. And so then do that, figure out something else that interests you and go in that direction. I don't think there's a problem with trying many different things. I think there's a problem with doing something that, that drives us crazy and makes our life miserable. And a lot of the time people get caught in this routine of doing the same thing forever, even if they don't like it, be okay with change, be open to change. Uh, another set of profound thoughts and uh, thank you so much frank and uh, i really appreciate both of you joining me and have, driving this uh, amazing amazing conversation and uh, totally value-added conversation i would say thank you so much guys thank you for being part of our journey yeah thank, thank you, so you. Much for having us on man this is uh always uh, a pleasure when we can chat about awesome ideas with awesome people around the globe and uh uh, I mean, hey, it's uh, it's what Nerdpreneur is all about, is highlighting <laughs> these kind of stories. Thank you. Thank you so much. And uh, on that note, so folks, uh, before we move into the trivia section, here is a request to you. In case if you haven't subscribed to us, please subscribe from the app where you have tuned in from. Also, if you have loved this conversation and found the episode useful, please share with at least three of your friends or colleagues who can benefit from the guiding voice. All right. Thank you so much in advance. Now let's cruise into the trivia segment of today's episode.
So today we had a wonderful conversation with uh, Chris and Frank, founders of Nerdpreneurs, and uh, they indeed shared a lot of valuable tips for the entrepreneurs and aspiring entrepreneurs. So today I would like to share a few facts about entrepreneurship. And uh, according to Forbes magazine, ninety percent of the new American billionaires are self-made. And you know, despite the economic hardship. brought on by the covid-19 pandemic some people enjoyed an unprecedented wealth surge with a record high of 493 new billionaires added to forbes annual list of the richest people in 2021 that brings the total number of billionaires in the world to 2755 as per 2021 among the newcomers are 88 americans and most of whom are self made you know Young entrepreneurs are likely to be encouraged by these figures, which show that uh, certain industries and investments can thrive even in times of major economic turmoil. That's why people say crisis leads to innovation, and uh, in fact, uh, COVID is a great example, which led to formation of new companies, new ideas, and many, many new unicorns have come into existence. All right, so that's all from today. And in case if you have any. powerful entrepreneurial story to share feel free to reach out to me through social media or you can drop me a note on the guiding voice for you at gmail.com and also folks in case if you have any topic recommendations or guest speaker suggestions please reach out to us either through social media or email me again i'm repeating the guiding voice for you at gmail.com that's all for today thank you so much for joining me i'm your host navin samala just a fellow it professional on a mission to shape the careers and lives of millions across the globe until next time bye bye see you all in the next episode